Studio. Uh, so for me, masculinity and femininity simply is an acknowledgement of the fact that men, by gender, have certain attributes that are natural to them and bring out the best in them. And women have some natural attributes and characteristics that are natural to them and bring out the best in them. So nature doesn't believe in equality. But let's face it, right? And a lot of things in the human behavior are natural and evolutionary as opposed to being intellectual and logical. You know, people who have created cities and countries and infrastructure are long-term thinkers. Majority of them are men. It's in a man's in instinct in many cases to think that way. And we want to nurture that instinct because that's positive for society and positive for families. But women will naturally be driven by self-preservation. How can I preserve myself and how can I preserve my offspring? So there is a difference in how we think. And I think the feminist movement just denies that difference. And, and that's a, to me, that's very hypocritical. Don't agree with her when you want to disagree with her. That's the problem because you're lying and she doesn't want you lying. The whole idea of compatibility is that you shouldn't have to compromise too much. There should be natural compatibility as well. So chemistry is fantastic for you to come together. Compatibility is fantastic for you to stay together. From Wine Studio, you are listening to The Inspiring Talk, a show where I bring the conversations with today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you take your life, business and career to the next level. This is the conversation I wish I had when I was 17. It would have fundamentally shifted the way I chased my goals and dreams, how I approached women and how I showed up as the highest version of myself. No matter if you identify as a man or a woman, this conversation is going to equally help you understand your truest self. If you are a man, this episode is going to help you understand what it means to be a truly masculine man. Somebody who is driven by his mission, somebody who loves to lead, somebody who is a natural provider, and somebody who doesn't fall for the mediocrity that society is encouraging us to be. And mind you, I'm not referring to toxic masculine men out there who are aggressive and violent, who seek the domination and control over others. You don't want to be that one. And if you're a woman, you will understand how to thrive in your feminine energy, how to build healthy, balanced relationship, and also do things because you like to, not because you have to. This is probably one of the most balanced and nuanced conversation when it comes to understanding the two sides and understanding the polarity between masculine and feminine energies. To help us understand this concept, I have invited Ron Malhotra in this podcast. And Ron is back for the third time on the podcast. And that doesn't usually happen in this show. And there could have been no better person than Ron to help us understand about this topic because he's somebody who has been talking about masculine and feminine energies and balance since 2013 when he started the program called The Successful Male. And he also does another program called The Successful Women where they are working with men and women to discover their natural powers and thrive where they instinctively were meant to thrive. Before we begin this conversation, if you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast listening platforms, it would mean a world to me if you can simply hit that follow button. And if your app allows you to, just give us five-star rating. That will help the show to go bigger. And bigger the show gets, bigger the guests we can bring. 
let's get started. Ron, when I first interviewed you on the podcast, a lot of people seem to have really loved that conversation. And I was just going through the comments on the podcast and people have said that I have watched it 50 times and it was really, really powerful. And uh, people seem to love you in this podcast. And this wow. is the third time and uh, it doesn't happen that no, I invite doesn't somebody. Happen That's very yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen that for me as well that I invite somebody like over and over again. And this time we're going to talk about something when I interviewed you first time, I had no clue of. I knew that he runs something called is the successful male, but I said, why only a successful male? What's going on there? And uh, last year, something shifted. I started going deeper into this concept of masculine and feminine. And I will say still, I'm a student, I'm learning a lot. And I thought I'm at a point where I can at least ask questions and try and have a deeper understanding about. So for somebody who's listening to this conversation and have heard about the term masculine and feminine as a word, what that entails, what is, what does masculine mean? What does feminine mean? And then we can go deeper into it. Uh, look, first of all, I think I'm, I'm going to start by saying I'm not an expert on this topic, but I've had quite a number of years of primary observations that I've made through the successful male and a lot of experience in this space as well. Um, whilst I'm not uh, I wouldn't say I'm a, a, a specialist in this area. You know, sometimes there's a lot of common sense one can apply to understand how things work. Uh, so for me, masculinity and femininity simply is an acknowledgement of the fact that men by gender have certain attributes that are natural to them and bring out the best in them. And women have some natural attributes and characteristics that are natural to them and bring out the best in them. And I think this conversation is important today because, you know, we take this conversation for granted. We just assume that men act like men, women act like women. Why, we have, why do we need to have a conversation about this? We, we, we've never really needed to have this conversation up until recently because the roles have come under scrutiny and it's being questioned. And there are potential repercussions of rearranging and reorganizing the roles. And so I think now it's important uh, that we have an, a conversation about this because one of the fortunate things that has happened with me is uh, being born in India and then having lived the majority of my life in a Western part of the world, I have two different perspectives here. India being a predominantly patriarchal society and then Australia being a predominantly feminist society. I don't know how many Australians actually would agree with me when I say this, but it's definitely a very feminist as a society. And I'm not saying this as a criticism, I'm just acknowledging the fact that the, the dynamics are quite different in Australia. So that's given me a pretty good understanding. Uh, I do wanna say though, that uh, when I was growing up, I have grown up in India in a family where women were very strong. And quite a lot of women in the, in the family had a Western outlook. So they were uh, very critical of the behaviors of Indian men. And so I remember those conversations when I was a child. So I think I grew up in a very feminist environment, even in India, which is unlike a lot of people. I actually grew up in a very feminist environment in India. And then when we moved to Australia, I moved from one feminist environment 
in the family to a feminist environment in another country. So I think for most of my life, I had feministic views without even realizing it. But there's been a significant shift in my attitude and my outlook and the way I think about masculinity and femininity, probably most so in the last sort of seven or eight years. I have now, I have become a big advocate of masculine behaviors. And it's something that I've only begin to understand in the last seven to eight years. And I would have never even realized that I had feministic views myself. So it's interesting. I've gone through a bit of a journey myself. And now if men ever approach me, uh, there seems to be a lot of confusion on this subject. I provide my perspectives and I'm, I'm very encouraging of masculine behaviors. In men. Yes, in men. I should. Yeah. Actually, I'm glad that you said that because it's not automatically implied anymore. We could be talking about encouraging masculine behaviors in women, yeah. which you will see a lot of women that are behaving in a sort of masculine way. Mm. Um, and so, yes, in men. So for me, I was uh, introduced a little over a year when you know I had just started dating and uh, my girlfriend, she sent me this book by David Deda the way of a superior man. And that opened a lot of things for me on how I saw a relationship, how I saw, you know, the polarity of a men and a women. And since then, it has been, you know, like just trying to learn as much as I can, trying to read as much as I can from the people who have done, you know, a lot of work on that. So one of the things that I saw that, hey, as a society at large, how that disbalance in the roles of a men and a women can really, you know, and, and my sense is, and you can sort of um, add to this, what I see is a lot of women in the one hand are made to feel the pressure that, hey, you need to like really achieve, you can't rely on a man or you, you have to like really earn your own bread. And on the other hand, men are, uh, you know, similarly like, hey, support the whole feminist movement and if you are like driven if you're just focused on your goal and not worried about what's going on then you know you are toxic right and i you know that to me at a larger scale you know felt that hey you know how did we arrive in this situation and i think what i felt a lot of people confused the whole conversation around masculine and feminine balance is that do you mean that you want women to be at home just making food and taking care of kids and i think that's where you know the whole thing is so do you feel that generally the world is more masculine while men themselves are emasculated we have to understand how this is originating i think um for most of human history Religion has been the guiding factor. Religion and culture have been the guiding factor around uh, the family unit and how families and societies are conducted. Uh, but as intellectualism has started to take a strong foothold, people are, you know, researchers and academics and people who are experts and rely predominantly on data, you know, are starting to question the validity of having culture and religion decide how we should live in society and in family. And so a lot of them are starting to say, well, isn't gender a, a social construct? And um, because women have been oppressed in many parts of the world, uh, predominantly in patriarchal parts of the world, the intellectualism perspective is that, uh, you know, this is just a social construct and it's time for us to dismantle it and we need to question it and women don't need women don't need to act in any particular way men don't need to act in a particular way uh we've just created this system 
And so the intellectuals will argue that uh, we've just fabricated this whole system and it's not really good for women. So we need to change it. Now, I'm partially in agreement and partially in disagreement. I, I, I believe that women have been oppressed not because of masculinity, because masculinity is actually very positive. Masculinity is about uh, enabling men understand that their role in society is to build, to create, to pretend, protect, to defend, and to build. And it's to, it's to make sure that as physically being um, stronger, we have to, we're supposed to carry more responsibility for our societies, communities, and families. What has happened in some countries is that we have put men on a pedestal and we put all the responsibility on women. And so what we've said is, look, women, you need to submit your authority to these men. But the way scriptures used to work, um, traditionally, the system came about because the way the system was supposed to work is that men are supposed to submit their authority to uh, God. And that means a man is supposed to commit to wisdom, truth, courage, you know, all the qualities, faith, all the qualities that are representative of spirituality. And in the event where men are submitting their authority to God and not being gods themselves, not pretending to be gods, then there was an expectation that women, women would submit their authority to men and then children would submit their authority to, to women and so on and so forth. So what's happened is because men did not take good responsibility of society and their families, because men became addicted to comforts and conveniences and became entitled, hey, this is my right, you're a woman, you need to listen to me, you need to do this effectively expecting women to submit their authority to them, but not submitting their authority to becoming a better man themselves by seeking God. What has happened is women are now rebelling and rightfully so. Women are saying, you know what? I'm oppressed. You are not, you're asking me to submit to you, but you're not really a smart man. You're not a wise man. You're not a strong man. You're not a responsible man. And so women are right in that way. They have every right. Uh, and so I always say, you know, part of being a, a masculine, you know, if you want women to submit their authority to you as a man, you never have to ask for it. You should never demand it. Generally, women are quite happy to submit their authority to a man uh, when they feel comfortable, safe, and they feel that the man is a leader and he's capable. Uh, we, we should never have to get to a point in society where we're demanding these from women. We need to earn the right for women to submit their authority. So the issue is we've demanded it. We've forced women to give, give up their authority. And in many cases, women have given up their authority to please culture, society, and religion, only to realize that they've given up their authority to a man who is not capable, not responsible, not mature, not a real great leader, and is not really building and creating and not providing for the family and not really making a difference to the community. So women feel disadvantaged from that point of view. It's like, you know, I've given up my life for this guy, and this guy is pretty useless. So that's potentially been the root cause of the feminist movement. That's given, that sparked off the feminist movement because it's not just in patriarchal societies, actually in most societies, even in any society where religions had a strong foothold, whether it's uh, Hinduism or it's Christianity or it's Islam, uh, the reality has been that where, wherever women have felt oppressed, the feminist movement has taken off and it continues to grow. And I think it needs to, in many respects, I think it's very justified. It needs to be because, you know, women are not inferior in any way. We, what we need to understand is that women have equal rights. It shouldn't even be a conversation. It's actually quite bizarre that we even have to fight, women have to fight for their rights as human beings. However, the feminist movement has gone to another extreme now where instead of being pro-women's rights, it's actually become anti-men. 
So that's the ugly side of feminism, feminist, not feminism, but feminist movement, which is now seeing all symbolic gestures and characteristics of being a man as toxic masculinity and is placing societal and cultural pressure for men to submit their authority to women uh, or have no authority at all. And so the question is, is that good for society? And is that good for the women in itself, right? Is it good for women? for men to have no authority. So the thing is, there is two ways to look at this. You can look at it from a biological perspective and then you can look at it from a logical or intellectual perspective. The logical and intellectual perspective is, you know, why should you have any authority as a guy? You know, we're the same. In fact, I can have authority over you. However, the biological perspective is that are women actually attracted to men who are not masculine? Are feminine women attracted to men who are not masculine? Because you can logically demand one thing, but we instinctively gravitate towards another thing. What we want and what we respond to may be two different things. So in a way, what we're seeing now is in the West, women demanded that men give, them, give up their authority in many respects. Not all women, but a lot of the feminist women demanded that. Obviously, men felt the pressure and a lot of men gave up their authority. And the men who gave up their authority effectively were no longer as attractive to feminine women and so the feminine women felt that, you know, there are no real men out there because uh, in many ways that polarity exists. You know, we, as a man, I appreciate and recognize feminine behaviors and I find them to be very pleasing. I don't do it by choice. I'm instinctively designed that way. You can't force me to prefer something else. When I see masculine behavior in a woman, mm. I naturally find that to be a bit of a put off. I'm turned off by it. And it repels me. You can't blame me for it. I'm not choosing to respond this way. You can't force me. You can't guilt me into feeling any different. I just feel that way when I'm with a masculine woman. I don't want to be around her because I have masculine energy. And so it clashes. On the other hand, when I see an example of a woman who is feminine, she is, that's not to say that she's weak. And part of the issue is how we perceive these words. You see, men are strong when they're masculine. Women are strong when they're feminine. Because that's what we're doing is we're using our natural, we're using what is natural to us and we're using it as an advantage. So what has happened is the perception is that women are weak with femininity, therefore they need to become masculine. But I think that women are losing even more power by becoming masculine because number one, they're clashing with uh, a lot of men. Uh, second, they are taking on a level of responsibility, which is making them resent their life. And thirdly, they're not being able to play out their function as a woman of nurturing, caring as well. So it's not about saying to women, be in the kitchen. No, I think we need to encourage women to be, have their own careers. Women are fantastic leaders, but we have to acknowledge that the way men lead and create and build is different from the way women lead, create and build. And there are some inherent differences that in some cases require men to have authority. As an example, you know, we're in this room right now, we're in this particular building. Uh, let's just imagine we're not in the room and we're outside the building and the building catches fire. And let's just say there are some children and old people trapped into this building. Nobody will expect women to run into the building. We will expect women to run out screaming. And nobody's going to consider that to be cowardly behavior because we are subconsciously acknowledging that women have a need to preserve themselves and their offsprings first. But society will have an expectation that if you and I are standing outside, and the building's on fire and there are people trapped in the building that we run in and rescue those people. You and I running away screaming, 
is going to be considered cowardly behavior. So as much as we're pretending that there is no difference, the reality is the same people who are pretending that there is no difference would judge us very differently if we behave like women. And rightfully so. I think I do very strongly believe that it's our duty as men to be the protectors, to be the defenders of society, because if nature has given us slightly more superior capability, I think it also places the obligation on us to have more responsibility in creating, building, defending, and protecting. So I won't have a problem with that. But I have a problem with, hey, you need to go and rescue people there. We want you to take on a much higher level of responsibility. We want you to take on a much higher level of risk. We want you to endure a high level of hardship. But in every situation, we will demand that we get the same privileges as you as well. You see the issue with that now. That I have an issue with that because that's kind of having double standards, right? Why would, if a woman is competing with me, why would I ever feel the desire to provide for her, to look after her, to care for her? She may not need it physically, but women sometimes appreciate a man looking after. I know a lot of women who have told me that they really would like the re a real man to look after them and to treat them. And, and so I think, I think the, the problem now is that the feminist movement has actually hurt women, not just men. It's ruined the prospects for a lot of women because as it's taken off, men have become more hesitant about approaching women. Men have become more hesitant about proposing to women. Men have become more hesitant about committing to women. Is that because the whole movement and you know the empowerment has said that it's okay for you as a woman to go and approach a man? Yeah, but the reality is, you know, we have some hunting instincts already. You know, it's instinctive in us to be the person who takes the risk and then reaps the reward for that risk. I think if women can definitely approach men, but the reality is, I would say that the more masculine a man is, the more put off he's going to be by that behavior. And this is not a conversation that most people want to have because we want to pretend that this stuff doesn't happen. But there are, you know, nature hasn't made things the same. Nature has given the lion teeth and claws and it didn't give buffaloes the ability to defend itself. So nature doesn't believe in equality. But let's face it, right? And a lot of things in the human behavior are natural and evolutionary as opposed to being intellectual and logical. So it's about accepting what we can't change. And then it's using that to go, you know, how do we create equilibrium and respect between the genders? And how do we acknowledge the strengths that they have in different ways? Rather than women pretending to be men or men pretending to be women, what we really need to do is understand where women shine naturally, give them the space to shine there and where men shine naturally and give them the space to shine there rather than putting pressure on the genders to engage in role, role reversals. Mm. A lot of thoughts there. One of the things that you've said um, is about the comfort when you give a men comfort. And this is something that you've said in one of the interviews that if you give women the comfort, they thrive. And if you give men comfort, they are ruined. So what do you mean when you say that comfort ruins a man? Um, there's a saying that a woman's power is in her beauty and a man's beauty is in his power. Uh, the men that have been the most revered in history, respected, considered to be leaders, have been men that have, uh, they have followed their masculine function in life. Same thing with women. Women who have followed their feminine function in life have been considered to be beautiful, graceful, nurturing, and strong, but in a different way. And so what's happened is, you know, um, somebody had asked me in one of my events in the successful male, you know, what, what does masculine, masculinity represent to you? Hmm. 
And I said, if I had to pick one word, there are many words that come to mind, but if I had to pick one word, I would say the word hardship, the ability to endure hardship. I find that as a man, when I, you know, I became at some point very comfort and convenience and security driven. And what that was resulting in was um, I was starting to lose my sense of self-worth. I could see that I was starting to decline in my confidence. I was no longer as assertive. I was becoming very passive in life. I was starting to use justifying statements like, I don't need to be successful. I just need to be happy. I just need to be peaceful. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I, I, I now look at it as, without even realizing it, I was starting to become more feministic in my views. I was going from this need, the natural need that I've always had as a young boy to build, advance, conquer, to now go move towards preservation settling. Mm. and settling, right? Mm. Uh, and so one of the things I realized was when I started to do that, I was no longer feeling joy and I was starting to, my self-esteem was starting to drop. And also I felt like I was becoming more and more fearful and I was more and more from advancing towards self-preservation. Women, on the other hand, if they start to really put a lot of attention into advancing and conquering, may experience the opposite effect. They may experience that because they're doing that, you know, and I'm certainly there are going to be exceptions to this, but I find that generally speaking, a lot of women feel more comfortable when they have more time for their families, for their beauty. I'm not saying that they should not pursue some sort of a commercial endeavor, Absolutely, they should. And the women make great entrepreneurs and leaders. And I completely acknowledge that. But it's the way we are driven. You know, I'm aggressively driven yeah. in some respects. Mm. And, I, and I feel the society's pressure for me to curb my aggression. But the problem is, if I curb my, my aggression, is that the same aggression that forces me to endure hardship and take risk, which is necessary to build and create? If you start to curb that, would I build and create? Would I have the desire to protect for my, provide for my family and take care of their future? I think those things are like two sides of the same coin. So we have to be very careful that we don't encourage men to give up their aggression. What we really need to teach men is how to channel their aggression towards their mission rather than using aggression towards people. Yeah. And this is where we've gone wrong. Mm. So rather than teaching men that, listen, you don't, you know, like in the 60s and 70s, men were very masculine. You know, you look at the old Marlboro ads, man sitting on a horse wearing a cowboy hat, you know, had a cigarette in his mouth, deep voices, you know, big chests. Um, you know, they would come and pick up the woman and, you know, walk away and that kind of thing, right? So those elements of masculinity are still craved by feminine women. women feminine women, in their own, if they're being really honest with themselves, and this is the thing, some people are not honest with themselves. A lot of feminine women still crave that element. The problem though was that a lot of those men back in the 60s and 70s were not emotionally and spiritually evolved. So they had the masculine attributes without the emotional intelligence and the spiritual awareness. So what we did, how society perceived that was because they don't have emotional intelligence and spiritual awareness, the problem, the root cause is masculinity. So we attacked the wrong thing. What we should have done was to say, hey, the masculinity part is actually really good. Let's preserve that, but let's complement that with enabling men to become more emotionally aware and spiritually aware, so they don't become a liability, they don't become oppressive to their families and societies. And men can be fantastic leaders. We, are, we have an inbuilt desire to build and create, but we need to take control of our mind and our emotions. When we, men can be dangerous when we don't have the skill to manage our thoughts and our emotions. 
The answer is not to give up the aggression that drives us. The, the answer is to help us understand how we can channel that aggression. So I think we've attacked the wrong problem here. And what are the implications of this? Well, the implications is that in any, in most countries I, where, West, where feminism, feministic movement has taken off, we are seeing higher divorce rates. And you might say, what's the problem with that? Well, higher divorce rates means that children are not growing up with both parents. We are yet to see the long-term implications of children being born without spending enough time with, or children being raised without spending enough time with both parents. Mm -hmm. Is that actually healthy for a child's conditioning? That's question number one. Question number two, the research is saying that men's sperm count has been steadily dropping. Testosterone levels are dropping. That means men are less likely to reproduce. If a country is not, if, if that would result in a declining birth rate. A declining birth rate is not good for a nation's strength. It's not good for the culture. It is not good for the economy. So there are implications of that. Societies that are patriarchal tend to have a higher birth rate. But that's not to say that we, need, we don't need to change anything about that patriarchal society. We do. What we do, what we do need to do is we need to maintain the levels of masculinity in those patriarchal societies, but complement that with men becoming more wise, spiritually aware, and emotionally intelligent so that men know how to channel that natural masculine drive, that testosterone surge towards constructive endeavors rather than destructive endeavors. Mm. One of the things that what stuck with me um, when I was reading the book was that, like you said, the men, like what really drives them, what they, what, what they really want to do is like, you know, chase the mission. And, uh, you know, in back in the days when we're hunters and gatherers, right, you know, just go out and sort of hunt, go out there, be face fears, like you said, right. And then women instinctively will choose somebody who had more resource, right? And uh, one thing, like you said, what really fascinated me was like, and a lot of people who listen to this to some level will resonate with this, like while in a very young people, right? Um, in the young women, when they are dating somebody, they would say that, oh, you know what? I'm dating this guy, but I know that he's not going to be my husband, you know? And I, I feel that that is their instinct telling them, telling them that, hey, you know what? He can be fun as a boyfriend, but he can't be somebody who can provide me, you know, uh, or the kid so, so that he can take good care. And I think that instinctively is something that is so embedded. And uh, when they see a man who is not as driven by his mission, like you said, is such a huge turner for women, right? And for the men out there who are, and to everything that you've said, one of the things that my own understanding of this is, and because a lot of men wanted to, be seen in the good light with a lot of women who were saying that, hey, you know what, we're equal, we got to do the things now, we're going to be out there, you know, we can do everything uh, men can do physically and so on and so forth, the whole feminism movement, they sort of... But that's not actually true because women are still underrepresented on construction sites. Mm -hmm. They're still underrepresented in wars. Mm -hmm. They're still underrepresented in, in uh, military combat. Mm -hmm. So that's actually not true, right? And so there's a real denial there. Uh, that the feminist movement, they're making claims that are actually simply not true. Uh, that doesn't make men superior, by the way. Yeah. With, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm -hmm. Men have to understand that the, you, don't, you don't have that natural physical strength to oppress women. That's not what it's there for. It, what it's really there for is to channel towards building and something for society. And men have always been long-term thinkers. I mean, some of the best people who have created history, majority of people who have created history, you know, people who have created cities and countries, 
and infrastructure are long-term thinkers. Majority of them are men. Mostly, overwhelmingly are men. They think men, because men are thinking about intergenerational, they're thinking about legacy. It's in a man's in instinct in many cases to think that way. And we want to nurture that instinct because that's positive for society and positive for families. But women will naturally be driven by self-preservation. How can I preserve myself and how can I preserve my offspring? So there is a difference in how we think. And I think the feminist movement just denies that difference. And, and that's, a, to me, that's very hypocritical. So in a relationship, right? So somebody who's listening to this and said that, okay. And what I've seen is like when a woman and a man, if they are in a relationship and the men, if that person fails to take on the masculine responsibility of providing for that, then women naturally, their masculine self sort of, you know, takes over. What are the implications of something like that happening in a relationship when women start taking more on their masculine roles and then men start sort of coming to their more feminine yeah. thing where they are dependent on women to earn the bread? I, I think, first of all, I think that um, I definitely believe that men need to take more responsibility in terms of they, they carry the burden because if they've got that those extra rights or they've got that extra strength, they carry the burden of taking a high level of responsibility. Uh, nobody should be entitled enough to think I have more rights without the responsibilities that come with it. I think men need to take risks as well. On top of that, on taking responsibility, men need to take more risks. We do need to approach women more, but we also need to respect her boundaries. Um, and so I think a lot of the guys who get friend zoned are the guys who are deceiving, trying to deceive women. They actually want, in many cases, they want to date the woman or they want, they see her as a potential partner, but they're not being forthright with their intentions. Mm. And so what's happening is um, they start behaving in a, a, a sort of a non-assertive manner, which is less representative of masculinity. And so uh, I think women are very guided by their instincts and genes to say, okay, this guy is not assertive. And therefore, um, I am going to see him as one of my female friends. And so that's how our guys get friends zone, right? And um, I think men need to stop playing that game of deception, be upfront and be, be forthright. Um, obviously, you need to be very careful that you're not upfront immediately. But at some point, you want to be clear with your intentions. But at the same time, you've got to know to respect her boundaries. If she's not interested in you, there's nothing you can do. Men need to understand that we can't enforce attraction on women. Either if women are not attracted to you, that's usually because deeply they don't feel respect for you either. You can't force it. You can't get mad at a woman for not feeling attraction towards you. Uh, if she doesn't feel attraction towards you, you're not attractive to her. It might be your personality. It might be your appearance. It might be your hygiene. It might be the fact that you're uh, not living your masculine nature, whatever it is, take responsibility for it and improve yourself. Don't blame her for it. Don't get mad at her for it. Genetically, she has been guided to mates with the best male specimen that she can find who is going to protect her and is going to protect her offspring and is going to fight off any danger. So she is looking for assertiveness and she's looking for leadership, but she's looking for that assertiveness to protect her, not to dominate and oppress her. So men don't understand that in many cases, right? And, um, and I, that's why, you know, I really strongly believe that if a woman has lost, and this is one of the claims that I'm, as I made in my video, which was very controversial, and you could see some of the men did not really interpret what I was saying. But if a woman is losing attraction for you, you're responsible. If she cheats on you, you're responsible. I'm not, I'm not condoning her behaviors. What I'm saying, though, is you can't blame her. Attraction is not something that we choose. We don't choose it. We are biologically 
we gravitate towards certain behaviors and certain uh, attributes. And if you don't have them, you want a woman to be naturally attracted to you, develop those attributes. Don't blame her for it. So, you know, so I feel that if a woman is uh, not interested in you, there's nothing you can do about it. All you've got to do is, the best you can do is better yourself as a man and make sure that you have good value out there in the marketplace, that other women see you as somebody that's worth dating, worth marrying, worth having a sexual relation with. But you can't enforce it on women. I think that's a sign of weakness. I very strongly believe that a jealous man is a weak man. He's a man who doesn't want to work on himself. He wants the woman to work on her attraction rather than work on his attractiveness, right? So I find that that's a, it's symbolic of weakness. And look, that's not to say that we don't feel envy sometimes. We feel jealousy. But when we feel jealousy, what we're really acknowledging is that we feel that somebody's better than us. Now, that should be a signal to us. And this is where emotional awareness comes in. I'm not feeling comfortable around this man. He's making me feel uncomfortable. Let me not hate him. Let me examine why I'm not feeling comfortable around him. He possesses certain attributes. I know instinctively that those attributes are desirable by the woman that I'm dating. Let me improve myself. You know, to me, that's taking responsibility. That's being self-aware. Rather than getting mad at her and getting mad at him, all he's doing is he's living his masculine nature. All she is doing is following her instincts, following her where her attractions are. And we, we logically blaming them and we're trying to suppress their natural behaviors. What we really need to do is examine ourselves and go, how can we better ourselves? Now, the reality is, look, every man, every woman has some insecurities. I very strongly believe that every man in the world can be at least a seven or an eight out of 10. No matter what you look like, no matter how you are genetically, if you take care of your personality, you take care of your skin, you take care of your health, right? You become decent with, you know, in, in terms of social skills, you have some reasonable accomplishments. All of this is within your control. I think every man can be at least a seven or eight out of 10, but that doesn't give you the right to expect women to be attracted to you. There's nothing you can do. If she's not attracted to you, let her go. Make yourself a better man so you can attract the right woman. And I think that's why I, I keep saying that, you know, as men, we have to take that responsibility and stop blaming women. Women are simply doing what comes to them naturally and genetically, and they want to pick the best person for them. That's just the game. That's how it works. And we need to understand it and we need to become better at it. So for very young men who are listening to this, who feel that, hey, you know what, like, I'm not getting any matches or any dates and stuff like that. I'm chasing women. So what do you suggest? Do you suggest that, hey, focus on, you know, gathering the resources? Because that's something that instinctively women are looking at men who has resources and then you will get women. Is that what you... Well, I think before you gather resources, become resourceful first. So first develop the internal resources, your mindset, your perspectives, your commitment to your mission, uh, your skill set, uh, your competency, um, your social status. So those are the internal resources you want to create first. Then you can go and create external resources. Look, the reality is women are, I find women to be incredibly smart and intuitive into, if a man is internally resourceful, even if he hasn't got external resources, women will be with that guy in many cases because they know that that resourcefulness will create resources in the future. Whereas if you create resources without creating resourcefulness, Women, a lot of women don't care about that. Or even if they care, even if they care that you've got a big business and you're making a ton of money, that's the wrong reason for her to be attracted to you anyway. She's not attracted to you. She's settling with you because of the fact that you're going to provide for her. So I really strongly believe that the best way that you can have some security in your relationship, although nothing's ever guaranteed, is by becoming a very resourceful man. Then if she will naturally be attracted to that attribute. Then use that resourcefulness 
to acquire resources. But work on that first. Don't bypass that and go, well, I'm going to just go and build a business and make a lot of money and drive a nice car and I'll attract a lot of women. Well, you're going to attract the wrong kinds of women. You're not going to attract the kind of woman who's actually attracted to you or respects you. Uh, she's just settling with you because you're providing for her. So be careful. You're, you know, men put themselves in that situation by not working on themselves and by working on the external drivers. Work on the internal drivers of attraction. The wonderful thing for a man is if you've taken care of your mindset, your skill set, if you're becoming emotionally intelligent, uh, you're skilled, you're competent, you'll create the resources anyway, right? But don't create resources to attract women, right? Build yourself and women are naturally gravitate towards a man who's committed to his mission. Beautiful. So, you know, you mentioned about polarity, right? So, and one of the things that I loved, you know, this is something I guess Tony Robbins said that what's common commonality between uh, men and the women makes the relationship work and what makes that relationship passionate is the differences as a masculine and feminine as an energy right so let me give you a situation imagine um you know a relation where the man is at his masculine playing at his best masculine and the women the woman in that relationship she is at her you know, feminine energy, what that relationship would like, paint a picture for us on what a very well balanced masculine feminine relationship would look like. What would that mean for the sexual life or, you know, other aspects of the life? Well, this is natural selection at play. You don't need to apply any logic here. Uh, you know, a masculine man will automatically attract feminine women and vice versa, right? And a masculine man will automatically repel uh, feminist women. Just natural selection taking place, right? In fact, one study recently found that more attractive women were more likely to be right-wing and right-wing women from a political orientation point of view tend to be more conservative and traditional in their in their perspectives. Left-wing women tend to be more intellectually based um, and they, they question tradition. And according to this research, those women were less attractive. For me, uh, the, one of the issues is we don't actually understand the difference between chemistry and compatibility. A lot of men, um, without even realizing it, uh, engage in compatibility-based behaviors that sometimes destroy chemistry because uh, likability and attraction are two different things. It is very possible, very possible, for a person to not like a person but be insanely attracted to them, okay? Very possible. So, you know, when I'm advising men, I always say to them, look, don't prematurely engage in compatibility behaviors. Uh, choose your mission, be a masculine man. That will automatically create chemistry with feminine women. And then compatibility comes after. Don't prioritize compatibility over chemistry. Uh, it's a huge mistake. And this is a mistake that men make quite frequently because mm, so, they don't understand the distinction. Yeah. So when you say compatibility, you are saying that masculine, feminine compa compatibility first and then attraction. Compatibility is, is all about alignment mm. and values mm. and goals and mm. dreams and vision. Forget mm. about that right now. Mm. If the attraction is not strong enough, compatibility mm. is not going to keep you together. True. Right? Mm. Um, yeah. So uh, what drives chemistry is the polarity. So, so, and you don't have to work on polarity. This is not something you do strategically and logically, you know, going, well, step number one, I'm going to do this step number two. No, no, no. You just allow your instincts, your masculine instincts to drive your urges. Like where you have a drive to take, approach a woman, approach a woman. But what you've got to do is you've got to combine that with emotional intelligence and awareness. Don't be a pain. Don't be somebody who's bothering people. Like have some social skills. But follow your instincts. If you want to build something, build something. If you want to take a risk, take a risk. Do those things. If you want to engage in physical combat, martial arts, do it. It's going to give you a testosterone surge. 
Even approaching beautiful women will give you a, a testosterone surge. Do it. But just know that there is an emotional element to it. Be emotionally aware, socially aware. Uh, don't be an idiot, right? Yeah. And it's funny that in 2023, we still have to say that because people don't actually, men don't understand this many times. Mm. And women have this idiot radar. They can just tell you don't get it as a man. From a distance, she can, even if she thinks you're amazing, attraction-wise, the moment you start to behave like an idiot, it diminishes, the, it kills the chemistry for women. So be masculine, pursue your, your thing. And feminine women are naturally attracted towards that. Chemistry will take care of itself. Once you've got sufficient chemistry, then you can go to the next level and start to determine whether you have compatibility in terms of value alignment, goals alignment. You know, are you, you know, do you want to buy the same type of house? Do you want to raise your kids in the same way? Uh, do you believe in the same type of education? Do you have the same family orientation? Do you have the same work ethics? So, on and so, on? so that's about compatibility. Because intellectualism drives predominantly logical behaviors and it doesn't acknowledge instinctive biology, what an, an intellectual will do is they'll work on the compatibility piece first, not understanding the importance of chemistry. And so that's kind of forced then, right? We're forcing it. We're trying to, like, you know, intellectual people have the need to incessantly control every aspect of their life. So they'll try and control the relationship as well, right? And that's not a fun relationship. It's not a natural relationship. It's very unnatural in many ways. And I, and I believe that in those types of relationships, the incidence of divorce and um, relationship breakdown is quite high because the chemistry doesn't exist. We're forcing it. Mm, got it. So now for any men, after listening to this, who might be thinking that, hey, you know what, it seems like I'm more sort of suppressing my masculine self, like my hunger, my drive to go and do things and somewhere it's suppressed. What should I do? Well, stop suppressing it. The fact is that anyone that's asking you to comply is not going to reward you for those compliance behaviors anyway. You might think that, you know, I'm going to please the woman by complying with her. At a deep level, she's actually watching you and she's seeing how quickly you give up your mission, how quickly you give up your man manly role. She's watching it. And so over a period of time, without even realizing it, she's going to lose her respect for you because it's so easy to get you to give up your life mission and so easy to get you to give up your own masculine functions. Hmm. So don't give it up. Prioritize that. Um, you know, and it's the same thing for women. You know, women, no, nobody should have to give up their values. Nobody should have to give up their function that they have as a man, man or a female. If you do, for the sake of compatibility, you're going to suffer. And when you're suffering, eventually you're going to resent your partner anyway. You're going to resent them because they make you, made you give up your values, right? So I, I also think that men need to be very uh, conscious of the fact that there is a natural decline in testosterone levels that affects our ability to reproduce, that affects our ability to be masculine. Keep an eye on those things. Do certain things, risk-taking behaviors. I'm not saying stupid risk-taking behaviors, but you know, uh, entrepreneurship is a risk-taking behavior. Investing is a risk-taking behavior. Martial arts is a risk-taking behavior. Doing strength training is risk-taking behavior. You know, engage in some of those things. Go on some adventure. Don't be some, some a guy who just wants to sit behind a computer, um, you know, and on a desk um, in a corporate company, just making money and trading stocks. It's just, you're going to find over a period of time, no matter how much money you make, no matter what position you get, you're not going to have that level of confidence to match a guy who's out there taking risks. You're going to actually feel inferior to him. And if you look at some of the men, you know, who are in the battlefield, some of the men on construction side, some of the men who are going through hardship, they have a glow in their face. They have a level of confidence that you have to earn. You can't get that. External forces are not going to give you that confidence. So be very mindful of prematurely settling for security and convenience and comfort because there is a case for how some of those pursuits can kill your natural masculine drive. Mm -hmm. So.
so just before this conversation, I was uh, sitting with uh, you know some of the women in our team, and I was telling them that hey, here's the thing, and this is again the concept that I you know got from this book, and I said um, David Deida's book that hey, has it happened that you have asked you know the men that you are dating to do something, and they did it, and then that turned you off because instinctively you were testing how strong this man is and strong feminine women do test their men over and over again on how driven they are with their mission right i i i think so i think women have to test because women don't get can't get it wrong the stakes are very high for women if they end up with the wrong person their biological clock is ticking so if they end up with the wrong person and they waste 10 years it means it could literally impact their whole lives so a woman has to get this decision right the 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 stakes are very high for women when they get it wrong for men not so much but for women so that's why they have to test their men over and over and over again and sometimes i'll say to men you know if you if you pass if you keep passing a test you're failing as a man you're passing her test but you're failing your test as a man right and this is what makes it a little bit complex because she's testing you and you're testing your compliance but a part of her is testing how quickly you give up your natural inclinations how quickly you give up your aspirations and your mission and your purpose and so what you're doing is trying to please her but she's not just looking at that a part of her is observing how confident you are in maintaining standing your ground because standing your ground is a characteristic of strong leaders I mean if you're going to give up your ground for her you're going to give up your ground for other people as well and so instinctively she knows that she may not realize she knows it but instinctively she knows it and so she will start to worry about the fact that you're weak you don't stand your ground if you're not standing your ground with her you're going to stand your ground with other people as well so this is where it gets complex you know uh, something that you think is intuitively going to lead re- result in likability may actually lead to killing the attraction between you and your partner as a man so you have to really understand female psychology and you have to understand polarity between the genders and you have to understand the difference between chemistry and compatibility so you don't get it wrong how does one one find the balance because you don't want to be somebody who doesn't listen or comply and whatever right all the time and at the same time you don't want to give in i think um you know maybe that comes from having the deep understanding of what your mission and values are and what are the things that you are willing to tweak or Look the, you know, things yeah. change as well. Mm, I mean yeah. as a woman matures she's less likely to put you through those tests. Sure. Right? Yeah. Mm. Uh but when she's young and she's still trying to evaluate who she's going to mate with mm. she's more likely to put you through those tests. Now this is not about if you agree with her agree with her yes. don't change that. If you don't agree with her don't agree with her. You see what I'm saying? Don't agree with her when you want to disagree with her. That's the problem because you're lying and she doesn't want you lying. You see what 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 he's saying? So if you naturally disagree with her disagree with her if you want to compromise with her on certain things compromise with her but don't if you compromise all the time you're giving up a part of you that's applies to both genders you don't you should the whole idea of compatibility is that you shouldn't have to compromise too much there should be natural compatibility as well so you know it's not about altering your behaviors the main thing is you be you she be her and see if it works if it doesn't work you're probably not meant to be together don't force it but there comes a time when women stop testing men they they're out of that stage of selecting a mate and so then you don't have to worry about any of this stuff you don't need at that point at that stage of your life you've been together for a number of years it's all about compatibility it's less about chemistry 
But in the early stages, it's more about chemistry and less about compatibility. Mm. So we looked at a lot of things from the men's perspective. And one of the things that I over and over uh, see from the women's perspective is also how they have been put in some levels. Like if they chose a men who can provide her, the men who is driven, the man who can protect them, you know, and so on and so forth. And, you know, they're being labeled as like, hey, you are a gold digger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reality is if a woman is only marrying a man because he's providing for her and she's not attracted to him, then she is a gold digger. Right. But if the fact that he can provide for her is one of her criteria, but her main criteria is still chemistry and compatibility, then she's not a gold digger. So it depends. Right. It depends. Um, so the main thing for as a man, you've got to make sure is that you marry somebody who's insanely attracted to you, but you can't demand it. You can't expect it. You have to be attractive first. Um, and when you're attractive, you'll naturally create that chemistry. So work on yourself, because otherwise, if you try and bribe a woman to date you and marry you because you can provide for her. Now you've ended up with a woman who only wants a provider. but does she think about you? Does she fantasize about you? Or does she fantasize about somebody else? And this is the big thing you need to think about as a man. If, if your man realizes that your woman is not loyal to you, don't blame her. You bribed her in the first place. In many cases, you bribed her and then you begged her and you pleaded to her. So she married you because she felt bad. But that, her marrying you, doesn't turn off her instinct. She's still looking for chemistry and attraction. And if she doesn't find it with you, she'll find it somewhere else. Don't blame her for that. You engaged in the wrong behaviors. You, instead of working on chemistry and attraction, you worked on being a provider and you bribed her. What do you think you were going to get? And look, this is not something that men want to hear, but this is the problem, you see. Some of the things that will result in our evolution and make us stronger are blunt truths that make us feel very uncomfortable as well. As a man, if you want to grow, you have to have the ability to confront those brutal facts. Otherwise, you're not going to grow. So don't be offended by what you're hearing. Don't feel like, oh, you know what? You know, I'm not responsible. Because the moment you're abdicating responsibility and you're putting on her, you're also demonstrating that you're not strong enough and responsible enough. So I, you know, I think that as men, if we worked on the assumption that we create our world, whether we like it or not, we're creating our world, we are responsible. I think instead of being disempowered, to me, that's a very empowering feeling. I'm in control. So I did something wrong and that's why she left me. You can, there's no point enforcing it on her. You can't enforce attraction. You can't enforce respect. It is natural. It's either there or it's not there. And if you haven't earned it, you can't demand it. Mm. Mm. And also the advice for the people then would be when you are in the stage of dating someone, if you see that not happening, then don't no matter how much you would like for it to work. Don't push it. Don't push it. It's just bad luck. Deal with it. I mean, how, why are we so weak sometimes? Both men and women can be very weak in this regard, where we get so attached. The signs are there. In, instinctively, intuitively, we know it's not working. The signs are there, but then we force it, force it, force it. And what we're doing is we're putting dependence on another person. We're putting pressure on another person. That kills the attraction for both genders. Don't do it. it should, in the beginning, it should feel effortless. It should be fun. If you're not naturally having fun, if you're not naturally dying to see each other, if you're not naturally dying to touch each other, there is something wrong already, right? And then obviously there's the next stage. That still doesn't fix the problem. Chemistry is great, but then you've got to see if compatibility is there. So chemistry is fantastic for you to come together. Compatibility is fantastic for you to stay together. Awesome. Such a great conversation.
so with what's going on in the world like you know uh, in the east and in the west in this whole regard what is your general observation in terms of the balance of masculine and feminine i i think it's off balance completely and i think uh, i think some balance needs to be restored but i also think it's the man's responsibility to restore that balance uh, as men we need to become better leaders more mature stronger uh we need to be more masculine first we cannot expect uh, that the fem- feminist movement Uh, there is a definitely a version of feminist movement that is toxic just like there are toxic men i'm not i'm not saying that there are no toxic men out there men who are physically strong and masculine but don't have any emotional awareness and spiritual intelligence are definitely mas- are toxic but the answer is not to give up their masculinity the answer is to blend their masculinity with emotional intelligence and spiritual awareness which is what i said earlier but the feminist part of that is uh, the the man hating part you know the man hating part the the need to bring men down and treat them as inferior beings and constantly exert your superiority over men that's not on either because the thing the very behavior that you were criticizing in men now you're practicing these some of these women are practicing the same behavior that they criticized in men now they're embracing so that's a double standard right that's not how you fix the problem women have to be very careful as well if they continue to engage in this type of extreme conduct less and less men will want to date them less and less men will want to commit to them and less and less men are going to embrace their masculinity so then uh, women in the end are going to be more disadvantaged because of this as well so we have to be very careful it, it is a complex issue it is a contentious issue it's a controversial issue i i'm not a master at this but i do know that this whole issue needs to be understood well we're here in 2023 and most people don't understand the dynamics of male and female attraction and that's a worry And do you think with all these all the pressure and the conversations that's going on at uh, at mainstream about you know this topic do you think like women are less and less or maybe let let me put it that way maybe declining feminine women and declining you know masculine men or do you think that no, is we that we we think a lot of uh, there's a, a huge section of men um demographic where men are very feminine mm-hmm. they speak like women they talk like women they dress like women and that's fine look it's the thing is though you have to understand if you leave a lot of feminine men together in on an island 100 years later you're going to have no people there if you leave a lot of masculine women in an island by themselves you're not going to have any people there but if you leave masculine men and feminine women together on an island you're going to have if you leave 100 people there you're going to have thousands of people after 100 years right that's the difference So for the longevity of the human race we can't disregard these facts and we have to stop pretending that these things don't exist the polarity exists the differences exist it's about how do we use it and look right now you know as i was saying the hierarchy used to be you've got god first man first then woman and then you got children and then you got animals uh it's very common in the western world for a woman to live with a cat or a dog and the cat or the dog has complete authority over the person So we've completely got it off balance now. So there is no god in the picture, there is no man in the picture. Many times there is no children in the picture. What you have is an animal and the claim that, you know, my dog or my cat is everything to me. Right? So you have a single woman living with a cat or a dog for her whole life, um pretending, telling her friends that she's very happy, her friends celebrating that kind of liberation and freedom. But is that what they truly want or are they deceiving themselves? You're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking the question. I'm just asking the questions. I I after being in this space uh training people for many years one of the things I realized is people are very good at self-deception. When we don't want to confront a fact that makes us feel bad, we alter the fact to make ourselves feel good. I I I'm not here to make anyone feel bad. I'm just committed to the truth. If it if it makes me feel bad, I must confront it. 
My feelings are not as important as the truth. If the truth makes me feel bad, so be it. I have to deal with that. I think we have to be very careful where we prioritize our feelings over the truth. We will end up with a culture, society, and nation that is devoid of wisdom because the only way to wisdom is through the truth. What are some of the questions that you want men and women listening to this ask themselves? Look, I just want them to think carefully. You know, one of the things I I feel is that India's birth rate is high. Whilst there are a lot of problems and the treatment of women is not great and men definitely need to become better at doing that, there needs to be systems and 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 uh, policies in place to support women more, empower women more. Absolutely. Um but we have to be careful that we don't blindly follow the west. West has got a lot of things right, but they've also got a lot of things wrong. And we don't know if the feminist movement in west is going to yield positive outcomes in the long term. So watch that space, don't blindly follow what the west is doing. Watch it carefully, make sure that what is packaged as women's liberation and women's freedom is actually going to liberate and free you. Uh for the men I would say that you know be very careful about buying into the argument that gender is a totally social construct. It may not be. You may find that you are naturally driven and naturally gravitate towards certain things. Uh understand masculinity, don't discard masculinity just because there are toxic males who uh you know abuse their masculinity. Um the key is as I said combine it with a level of uh, emotional awareness and spiritual awareness and you'll find that masculinity is a, a wonderful asset. How do you define a free man? Well a man that basically is free of pressures imposed upon him through culture, religion, society. Um he naturally wants to he's obligated by by his own desire to provide rather than being forced to provide. I also think a man who for me you know it's about having autonomy over my life decisions. I don't want anyone to have control over my time. I don't want anyone having control over my decisions. Uh, I want to be my own man. Uh so I think that that's important but I also believe that what has enabled and facilitated and contributed to my masculinity is the embracing of spiritual principles and spiritual laws and understanding that as a man despite some of the great powers that I have uh I still have areas of weakness and uh without spirituality uh without understanding uh without having some faith in a higher infinite uh, power I'm at risk of becoming egotistical myself so um as men become more successful naturally we become more power oriented and ego kicks in uh, so to balance that i think it's important to always realize that there is something higher and better above you uh and that kind of keeps you a little bit uh, grounded what's your definition of an empowered woman Um empowered woman is a woman who chooses her career decisions, her life partner decisions and she's feminine by choice rather than being forced to be feminine. So I think and I, as I find that a lot of women are happy and willing to uh give up their authority to the right man. Um so I think she has chosen it, hasn't been imposed upon her. And so allowing women to choose and make that choice and living in that feminine nature but also being able to balance that with having you know living out their career aspirations i think to me that's an empowered woman not somebody who is becoming oppressive towards men all right this has been such a great conversation ron thank you so much for being on the podcast now any last parting message that you want to leave for somebody who's listening to this podcast 
Not really. The, I mean, the only thing I would say is that before you jump to conclusions, as people do many times without hearing this out, without reflecting, what I would suggest is that before uh, you have a comment or a question, just reflect on what I have said. I have tried to provide a nuanced perspective. This is not a black and white conversation. Uh, very few things at this level are completely black or white. Uh, generally, there are many areas of gray and it's just about understanding what I've said. I'm not attacking masculinity. I'm not attacking femininity. I'm just attacking the extreme elements on both sides. And there are extreme elements on both sides. Uh, the reality is that as much as we can be critical of religion and culture and traditions, uh, in many respects, there have been very positive attributes of religion and culture. That's how the human race has progressed. Uh, the human population has progressed because of some of those rules. I, I think we have to be careful to, not to discard all religion, um, culture, and we have to be very careful. But we, at the same time, we have to be very careful that we don't embrace all elements either. What we need to do is to objectively evaluate where culture and religion has been positive for humanity and what are the elements that need to be changed. Let's not completely replace it. Let's not completely embrace it. Uh, I think we just need to be more critical in regards to um, what we need to do next to evolve better as as the human race. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective. And I'm sure um, you definitely have gotten me into trouble, um, not for somebody probably who have watched this entire conversation, but for somebody who, you know, who would watch some cuts and snippets on Instagram for sure, be ready for some break bats. But I think this was such an uh, important conversation to have like I said in the beginning, when I got introduced to this concept, it had changed a lot for me. I've started, you know, tapping into more of my, you know, masculine drive and said that, hey, you know what, I these were some of the things that I was thinking that I was trying to comply, but then, hey, but this is not what I truly feel. And I think that has fundamentally shifted the way I communicate in relationship. That has fundamentally shifted that, hey, you know what, this is what I really feel about it, right? Without feeling the need that I need to uh, please somebody and at the same time conveying that hey you know what i mean this is what i truly feel and being secure in knowing that even if i share my truth that you know she's going to be with me having said that there's one more part bj that i think i should mention i do genuinely believe that there are men who feel they've been born in the wrong body and women that feel like they've been born in the wrong body i want to acknowledge them i don't want to say that every man has a desire to be masculine and every woman has a desire to be feminine I understand that some people naturally don't feel that way, and that's fine. It is not about enforcing it upon every man to be masculine. What the message really is that if you are a man who has a masculine drive, don't suppress it. If you're not, that's okay too. Um, I have a, a lot of friends that uh, are not necessarily masculine, and they're great guys, and I love them, and I think that they are, you know, so I want to acknowledge them as well. I do believe that there are people who feel like they're born in the wrong bodies. And I don't think as society, we should pressure them to be somebody that they're not. And I think that's a part of the inclusion movement that I absolutely agree with. But I disagree with, you know, forcing men to give up their masculine behaviors where men want to naturally pursue it. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for making it to this end of the conversation with Ron Malhotra. Personally, for me, there were so many takeaways, even though I started understanding a lot about masculine and feminine energies in the past year or so, there were so many takeaways and so many perspectives that I hadn't thought about. And I'm going to honestly, you know, take time to absorb and think about a lot of things that Ron mentioned in this episode. And I hope you had a lot of takeaways as well. 
what I'm keen on is to hear three things that really stood out to you from this conversation in the comments below. Just go ahead and drop that on the comment on what are your biggest takeaways from this conversation. And if you haven't subscribed to this channel yet, I would really appreciate if you can hit that follow button. I'll see you in the yet another episode of the Inspiring Talk podcast. Mm-hmm.